house on fire, a people passionate about his presence. If you weren't here last week, I'm going to give you just a brief recap of what I shared last week because I'm going to build on it again this morning. And this morning, I really want to talk to you guys about a house on fire is a house that remembers what God has done, and as we remember what he's done, it propels us into what he wants to do. You see, remembering lights a fire inside of you because it re- you look back at what he's done, which ignites your heart ablaze afresh for what he's going to do. That's, that's where we're headed this morning. So let's just pray. Jesus, we give this time to you, Lord. We thank you for everything that you've done in this service, Lord. We're not here just to open the word and just read it. We're here for the word to encounter our hearts. Lord, we're here for your word to pierce hearts, Lord. We're here for you to meet with us. As we talked about last week, Lord, your presence isn't just a fancy word that we use. It's you among us and within us. It's the fact that you are here right now, present in this room. That is your presence fills this place. So Jesus, we invite you. Come on, we invite you. Just say, we invite you, Jesus. We are here for you, Lord. We are here for you. So may these words be your words, Lord. And may you light a fire fresh in our hearts as we move into Christmas, Lord. As we move into the end of 2021, would we move into 2022 even more on fire? In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right. Recap. What is a house on fire? Last week, we talked, I talked from Psalm 69.9, which is where David says, zeal for your what? House has consumed me. And then we looked at the connection between Psalm 69 and John 2.17, where Jesus is cleansing the temple, right? He's coming in with a whip. This is a really awesome scene where he's saying, hey, my house is not to be a house of business. It's a house of prayer, right? But in John, I love the account of John because it says the disciples remembered that it was said, zeal for my house has consumed me. So you have this picture of Jesus in the temple. He's getting rid of business. He's saying, hey, this is not what my house is about. And why am I doing this? Because I'm so zealous for my people. That's what that word zeal means. That word zeal means intense desire, intense affection. I love that verse in Exodus where it says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Why is he jealous? Because he wants all of you. That's the zeal that consumes the heart of Jesus in this moment. He's like, oh, my people, they're distracted. They're so focused on all this other stuff in the temple when they could be praying, when they could be focused directly on me, and I'm so zealous for them to be completely mine. That's what this means. So what is his house? That word there literally means a spiritual household. It means a people. So when we say house on fire, we are talking about a church of people that are passionate, zealous, burning with intense desire for his presence. Just like, catch this though, it's not just our heart burning for his. It's because his heart burns for you. 
we love because he first loved us, right? And so it's not just, hey, we're gathering, we're singing these cool songs in our heart, we're trying to get our hearts to burn for him. It's the fact that his heart is so burning for you that when you come into this place, when you come into your house and you begin to say Jesus, all of a sudden he's there and he wants to encounter your heart afresh. That's a house on fire. A house consumed with Jesus. Come on. So last week we ended and we talked about the reality of Jesus and how he has to be so real that he is as real as the chair we're sitting in. We did the red chair analogy illustration where we, 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 tr- we realize that Jesus isn't He's not just something, hey, Jesus, he has to be so real that he's as real as the red chair you're sitting in. Did you know this morning that Jesus is alive and he's so real that he's literally right here? And the reality of that will change the way you live your life because you don't live trying to pull Jesus into something. You live knowing that Jesus is here. He's as real as the air that I breathe. And so all I have to do is say, Jesus, thank you that you're here. You're present. Your reality is here. You are so real. You're alive. So today I want to build off that. And what I want to do today specifically is I want to give you a practical key. I want to give you a tool. And that tool is this, remembrance. The tool is remembrance. If you have your Bible, come on, show me your Bibles, phones, whatever you got. Come on, do we bring our Bibles to church? This is good, this is good. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy. Man, I'm, I'm in the Old Testament more than Wesley is right now. Uh-oh. No, I don't know if that's true or not. Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to look at verse 11. Come on, isn't the word of God good? So good. I love the Old Testament. Come on, who loves the Old Testament? Yeah. And who loves the fact that the New Testament quotes the Old Testament a million times? Isn't that awesome? I love that. All right, Deuteronomy 8. Let's dive in. This is God here. He's talking, as he always does. And he's saying, verse 11, be careful That you do not what? Forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, verse 12, when you eat and are satisfied, and you build good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks increase, and your silver and gold increase, and everything that you have increases, Then, verse 14, your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He who led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and its thirsty ground where there was no water. He who brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. Verse 16, in the wilderness it was he who fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, in order to humble you and in order to put you to the test, to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and my strength and the strength of my hands made me this wealth. 
Verse 18, this is it right here. But you are to remember. Remember the Lord your God. For it is he who is giving you power to make wealth in order to confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. I love this passage of scripture. God is literally starts it off saying, hey, don't forget. So he starts there, right? Don't forget. Then I love, he then gives you a real clear reason why you're not supposed to forget. Because when you forget, it says your heart will become proud. Another way to say this is when we forget, it becomes easier to lean on our own understanding. Right? It becomes easier to, to get lost in us. And we're like, okay, I can do this. I got this. I got this. And God's basically saying, you really don't have this. So don't forget that. And he continues, right? Proverbs 14, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And then he goes on to remind the Israelites, I absolutely love this. God doesn't just say, don't forget, and then he leaves it there. He jogs their memory. He's like, hey guys, let me, let me help you out a little bit here, okay? Do you, do you remember how I led you out of Egypt? Do you remember how I gave you water in the middle of the desert? And he begins to remind the Israelites this. Do you remember how I fed you with manna? This is verses 15 and 16. The point God is making is this. I am the one providing, not you. So remember that when you forget. Why is this word remember significant? I want you to see this. The word remember here is used 26 times in the Pentateuch. Now, what's the Pentateuch? First five books of the Bible, yes. So this word remember is used 26 times, but then it's used another 41 times in the, in the prophets. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, all of these prophets, what was one of their number one messages? You're forgetting, oh Israel, remember. Remember. It's all throughout the Old Testament. Like you cannot read the Old Testament and not have this theme be so prevalent that it knocks you right in the face. Oh Israel, you're straying. Remember the Lord your God. That Hebrew word for remember also means this, to mark, to make a milestone, to recognize, to earnestly make mention of. So we can think of this as remembering, even as recognizing. Recognize the Lord your God. Psalm 143.5, David says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your accomplishments. I reflect on the work of your hands. David gives us a clear definition of what remembering is. It's meditating on what God has done and even thinking about what he's created. Oh Lord, looking at the, the things that you've created, the fact that you've created me, the fact that I have breath in my lungs, 
the fact that you've like meditating on him. This is what David says remembering is. It's part of what that is. It's just thinking about Jesus, thinking about God. I feel this is so important. Like God consistently spoke to the Israelites about not forgetting And I think it's important, like, why is this important? We need to quickly remember. Why? Because what happens is, is when you remember, it shifts your focus. See, sometimes it's easy to get distracted. Can we be honest? It's easy to get distracted. We get distracted, we're running around, and we start doing our own thing. When we stop, and we're like, wait a second. Oh, I remember that the Lord did that. I remember that the Lord's done that. It, you can't remember and not have your heart begin to think about him. And when your heart begins to think about him, it begins to ignite something that shifts your focus from whatever it is that's happening back to Jesus. Back to him. It shifts your perspective. Perspective is really important. The enemy tries so hard to get you to focus on a false perspective, a false narrative, a a false perspective of what reality is when Jesus is like, hey, don't forget I'm over here. Stop looking over there and look over here. He tries to get you to think that you're always going to be stuck. He wants your focus on anything but Jesus. But when we remember, when we focus and meditate, when we turn our eyes on him, it changes that and it removes the voice of the enemy because the enemy cannot have a place when Jesus is present. All right, Mark chapter 8. You can go ahead and turn there. We're going we're gonna to use our Bibles a lot today. Mark 8, verse 14. If you're needing a quick jog, jog of memory there, you got Matthew, Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, here we go. Verse 14. And the disciples had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Verse 16. And they begin to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. Verse 17. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not understand? Do you not yet comprehend? Do you still have your heart hardened? Verse 18, having eyes, do you not see? And ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Verse 19, when I broke the loaves for the 5,000, again, he's jogging their memory. Do you, do you not remember how many baskets you picked up? They said to him, 12. Do you not remember when I broke the seven for the 4,000? How many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? I love this passage. The the disciples are like, man, we don't have any bread. Like, we we don't have any bread. And you could see Jesus, I kind of picture Jesus like over there like, you know. No? 
Like, bread? I am the bread of life? I am? I am. So why are you squabbling about over here about natural bread when what you really need is me because I am your bread? And so the disciples are like in this moment, they're, they're, they've, lost, they're, they, they've, they've lost their focus. They're distracted. They're so focused on this natural thing. And Jesus is like, do you not yet understand? Having eyes to see, do you not see? And having ears to hear, do you not hear? Do you not remember how I fed the 5,000? 12 baskets full left over, I fed the 4,000, seven baskets full left over. Do you not remember? And it's like Jesus pointing at himself, do you get it yet? I'm right here, which means you don't need to be focused on that bread. You need to realize I am your bread, therefore this need I can supply. The enemy works hard to make you forget. If he can make you forget, then he can shift your perspective. Catch this. From a place of faith to a place of doubt. The disciples are in a place of doubt. They're like, we have no bread. We have no way to get bread. We forgot it. And Jesus is like, do you understand that faith is standing before you? So step in and don't doubt but see me, remember. When you remember what he has done, it reveals Jesus to you in the midst of what you are going through. Remembrance brings breakthrough because it has the ability to shift your faith back to him. This is a tool that has the ability to open up the doors of your heart and clear away the distraction and the deception of the enemy. It's like gratitude. When you're thankful, it's real hard not to be happy. Have you tried it? Just start thanking the Lord for something. Start being thankful and see if your mood changes. See if something in your heart begins to shift as you thank him. Gratitude has the ability to shift your whole mind. It has the ability to blow away some of the cobwebs and things that we're focused on. When we thank him, we're like, whoa, thank you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, it's like the air feels lighter. Whoa, I feel that. The same thing is true about remembering. It's, it, it is a form of thanksgiving. When I thank him for what he's done, I'm remembering what he's done. When I remember what he's done, it propels me to look at what he is doing and what he will do. Because it shifts my heart back to him. Sometimes we can get busy, distracted, and we can get used to things being the way they are. And just go on with our life when Jesus wants us not just to live in the status quo of life, but to live in the revelation of who he is that then keeps our heart burning. Listen, some of you in this room, this is the key that you need to know today. Do not forget your history with the Lord. Do not forget your history with the Lord. One of the greatest things that I've walked through in this season, I wrote this in my, in my, 
Evernote, my, my journal. Lessons in the storm. Lesson number two, my grief does not outweigh my history with the Lord. My grief does not outweigh my history with him. See, here's the thing. Why is this important? Do you, do you remember what that word can mean? That word remember can mean milestone. Do you remember the milestones in your life when you have seen him move? Don't forget that. Because when you do, you can come back to it and it, like a match, can light something afresh, ablaze in your heart because it's a milestone. It's your history with him. What have I seen God do? Who have I experienced God to be for me in my life? And if I'm in a moment of distraction, I can pull that back in and say, no, this is who I've seen you. This is who I've witnessed you to be in my life, and I'm not going to forget that. I'm going to pull it back in and allow that perspective to shift the current things that are happening in my life. Oh, come on. Can we get excited about that? That's amazing. Did you know that you can always go back to that? If you're ever in a moment of struggling, you can always go back to your history with him. And I love the fact, too, that in Deuteronomy 8 and in the passage in Mark, it doesn't say that God just sat back and watched them forget. God's not like, phew, man, he forgot again. I'm just going to sit back there and just watch him just wallow around in his forgetfulness. No, what does he do? Jogs their memory. Did you know that the holy, the greatest role of the Holy Spirit, catch this, John 14, 26. But the helper, which is who? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, but catch this, and bring to your remembrance. Oh, did you catch that? That's the greatest role of the Holy Spirit, to bring to your remembrance Jesus, to Take your heart and say, look at Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus. And so right here he says, he will teach you all things, but he will bring to your remembrance everything that I said to you. So you're not having to just wallow around in the cave of darkness and distraction trying to figure out how I'm going to remember. The Holy Spirit begins to bring to remembrance who Jesus is. This isn't like striving to remember. Gee, the Holy Spirit, listen, I love this. How many, how many times have you like walked in a season and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know where Jesus is or anything. And then all of a sudden, something really wild will happen. All of a sudden, somebody will like give you a check or somebody will like do something, right? What's happening? I believe what's happening is the Holy Spirit is like, hey, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is bring he can use things in your life to bring to remembrance who Jesus is to remind you who he is That Greek word means to call to mind he will call to mind the words of Jesus 
and give you a deeper revelation of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will bring to mind Jesus in your life. Isn't that awesome? He will help you remember. And I also think practically there are ways that we can practically use remembrance as a tool to help us remember. But when we begin to think about what Jesus has done, the Holy Spirit reveals a greater revelation of Jesus for our current time of need. This is what it means. He brings it to our remembrance. Listen, this is a practical way that we keep our house on fire. Remember, house, a people, that's you. How do we keep burning? One way that we do that is through remembrance. So how does remembrance keep our house on fire? Again, I've made this point, but I want to say it again. It refocuses our heart back to him. This is one of the prayers that I pray when I'm praying for, for prodigals or for those that maybe, maybe you're in the room or maybe you're watching online and you're, you're running from God. You're like, I don't, I don't know who God is right now. I don't know what's happening. One of the things I pray is I pray that Jesus will remind that person who he is. I pray that Jesus will refocus their heart back to him. That he would see that he's been there all along. That he would see, this person would see that Jesus is right there in the midst of what they're walking through. And that they would sense and know that it's him. It's not just something they're reading or something. It's Jesus right there. I just want to say, if you're unsure in your relationship with him, I just want to say that God loves you so much. Through the Holy Spirit, I believe even now as I am talking, he's going to begin to remind you of who he is. One of the things that that can happen that can lead to us doubting, I believe, is when trials trump history. I already talked about this a little bit. When that happens, what can happen is is we can actually redefine God based on circumstances that have happened to us. We can redefine things based on things the way that we're seeing them through our lens now. And and, and I just want to say, like, don't lose faith. Trust in him. Believe in him. He's there for you even in that time. When, when the temptation to forget comes, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to remind us. Holy Spirit, would you consistently remind me of who Jesus is? 1 Corinthians 11. I love this. This is obviously when we, when we do the Lord's Supper here, I often quote this passage, 1 Corinthians 11. Because Paul says what? He says that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. If you're struggling to remember anything, just remember his blood. Remember his body that that he bore for you on the cross. Remember what he did for you. Remember who he is. When I lose my way, I need to remember the things that God has done in my life. 
And what can happen is, is I, can, I can write down what he's done when he saved me. When he set me free. When, when, he, when he healed that person that I prayed for. What's happening? I'm building history with the Lord. And I can walk and I can continue to drop these post-it notes because I have history with him. And when something happens, I can look back, I can pick up one of these notes, and I can say, oh, I remember the time when I was sitting in this chair, and the Lord said, Jeremiah 29, 13 is a life verse for you. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And I could come back to this post-it note right here, and I could remember when I was laying underneath the back pew in the community arts center in the other building, and the Lord called my name and said, I want you to invite me into your heart. And I could come back to this other post-it note over here when I was standing at the back of the sound booth in a worship conference, unable to move because of the weight of his presence. And I could come back to this moment here when I was sitting And I got a text message saying that the woman that I had prayed for that had a brain aneurysm was completely healed. And I could come back to that moment when it was like, I didn't know how the Lord was going to provide for this, and he did. What's my point? These are markers that have defined my life. And every time I face anything, every time I'm laying in bed at night and I don't know what's going to happen, I begin to say, Lord, I know one thing, and that is that you have been this for me already once before. I have seen you do this already once before. This is my history with the Lord. Listen, you can take away a lot of things about my life, but you will never take away my history. You will never take away the moments that I've seen God move in my life, no matter what's happening in my life. I can always pick up that post-it note, and I can allow that post-it note to do something in my heart like a match. And all of a sudden, in that moment, shh, whoa, Jesus is real. Because look at what he's done in my life. Look at what he's done in my life. And it's like an ignition switch. All of a sudden, that moment in your history with him can light something in your heart that can shift your perspective for what you're going through and for where you're at. Because it focuses you on Jesus again. In the midst of all of the distractions, it refocuses you on him. Remember, don't forget Some of you, you need to not forget. Don't forget what he has done for you. Don't forget who you have seen him to be in your life. Don't forget. Remember. When I am having to fight and when I am running into a mountain I haven't faced, the first thing I must do is remember. Remembrance allows my heart to stay burning. It ignites fresh fire. 
It ignites me into a people, a, a person, an individual passionate about his presence. And if distraction comes, I can remember and I can say, oh, yes, Jesus, I remember that. And now I know that you can do this again. I know that you can do this again. One of the things that we do often when we're praying for people is we tell testimonies. Why? Because we're testifying of what God has done. Testimony reveals this. It's, it's the spirit of prophecy, right? As I testify, it engages faith that then allows something to shift in that person's heart where they actually believe God can do it. It's testimony. It's history. It's remembering who he is and what he's done. And I'm convinced that this is one of the greatest tools that we need for the days that we are in and for the days ahead. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation 3. I told you we were going to turn a lot. We've gone from Deuteronomy to Mark to Revelation. This is the message to the church at Sardis here. 3, Revelation 3. Sardis was the capital of the Lydian Empire. It was one of the greatest cities in the world. And here John, again, is writing this. The angel is revealing this to him. And it says here in Revelation 3, verse 1, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive and yet are dead. Be constantly alert and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Verse three, so what? Remember, there it is. So remember what you have received and heard, keep it and repent. Then if you are not alert, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who overcomes will be clothed in the same way in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Verse 6, the one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I want you to catch this real quick. Verse 1, basically what it's saying is you are alive, but really you are dead, meaning what? You're spiritually dead. You're breathing. You're you're breathing, you're alive, but you don't see me. And then it says, strengthen the things that we're about to die. There are things that are spiritually dead that need to be awakened because he has more for them. So what's the answer? Verse three, remember. What does that mean? Call to mind. Call to mind your history with me, with what I have done. And then it goes on to use that word alert, thief in the night, which we see often in Scripture, Matthew, Thessalonians, Peter, meaning that Jesus, we don't know the hour in which he will come, right? But we need to remember. That's a reason why we need to remember. Jesus is returning. Hallelujah. Can we get excited about that? Like, this isn't just a, a fairy tale. This isn't just something, hey, this is a good little story. I don't know. He's coming back. He's returning for a bride. He's returning for you. He's coming back. 
and he's going to split the sky, and he's going to come through the east gate in Jerusalem, and he is going to rule, and he is going to reign. That's not just a good story. That's the reality of what's going to happen. And we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. But as we approach those, the end of time, as we approach that hour, one thing we need to do and keep in mind is we need to just constantly remember him. Continually remember, call to mind who he is so that at all times we're what? Alert. The NIV says, wake up. Wake up. Remember and wake up. Stay alert so that we can keep oil in our lamps, so that we can keep our lamps burning. We allow the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance Jesus and we focus our attention on him. If I could have keys, that'd be great. I'm going to go ahead and land the plane. Listen, I I believe that some of what we've walked through and some of what is coming is going to be the biggest temptation in your life is going to be distraction. It's going to be distraction. In this passage in Revelation 3, the message translation says, stop your busy work. Sometimes we can get so busy, we can get so distracted, we can get so caught up in other things that we're not focusing on him and we're losing the reality of what he has done. And so that's why Jesus is saying, hey, you're spiritually dead, but I have more for you. So remember, call to mind me. Call to mind who I am. Bring to remembrance his word. Remember, and here's the thing about remembrance too. It gives you a deeper revelation of Jesus. And sometimes the Lord even allows us to remember things that are in here that maybe we've read a thousand times. And when we read it this one time, the Lord gives us a revelation like we've never seen before. And it becomes so real to us. Recently, we were, we were in Nashville and Emily was telling some friends this revelation that she had where she was, she was in the car and she was playing a song about the goodness of the Lord but she, she was like I don't know I don't know if, if I'm really there yet like in the midst of all of the day of trouble and the trials like I'm playing this song and I'm going to play it until I believe it I'm going to play it until the reality of that begins to, to become real again and she was playing that and all of a sudden she felt the Lord say I love you and then she heard him say this I am well acquainted with the suffering of losing an only son when she said that my heart just it's like somebody just hit me and I began to get a revelation of the fact that I've 
I know the gospel. I've heard that a million times. I know that, that God sent his only son. I know that Jesus had to die on a cross. I know that he rose again. But have I thought about it from God's side? Have I thought about it from the perspective of the fact that God the Father literally sent his only son to die? to endure 39 lashes, to wear a crown of thorns, to be verbally abused, to die on a cross for me? What? And the minute that she said that, I had the reality. I was like, oh my gosh. God identifies with every suffering in this moment. He identifies with what I'm going through because he walked through that pain and that agony. What did that revelation do for me? It allowed me to see God in a way that I haven't maybe seen him before. And it allowed me to remember what God went through. To remember the fact that he sent his only son. And he walked through that. And that remembrance in that moment when she said that, it immediately birthed revelation. And it immediately had like a match to my heart. My heart began to soften. And I began to say, Jesus, God, you're so real. You know what I'm going through. You're so real. This revelation isn't just something that's in the Bible. It's not just something that happened. It's a revelation that I could pull back as I remember into this moment and allow it to shift my perspective. Can we stand? What I feel that I want to arm you guys with today is I want to encourage you to write down your history with the Lord. There's a verse in Exodus 17. Most of you probably know this story. This is when Moses' arms are, are growing tired, right? And they're in the midst of battle. And when Moses' arm is up, they're winning. And when his arm is not up, they're not winning. And so what happens? It says Aaron and her brought a stone for Moses to sit on and they stood beside him and held up his arms, holding them steady until the sun went down. And then it says Joshua totally defeated the Amalekites. Then the Lord said to Moses, listen to this, write an account of this victory so that it will be remembered. Write an account of this so that in the days ahead, my people will remember what happened in this moment. Write an account of this victory so that it will be remembered. And what I, what I felt this morning and what I want to empower you with as we step into this Christmas season is to write down some of the ways that you've seen God move in your life. Write it down. Stick it to your fridge. Stick it to your mirror. Write it in your phone. And then as you're going throughout the rest of this year, you'll see that and it'll be a remembrance moment. It'll be a reminder of what God has done and who he has been for you. Because in the moment of a busy season, sometimes we need to keep something in front of us that says, look at what Jesus has done. Let's, let's stop for a second. 
and let's refocus back in on Jesus. So what I want to do is you can text REMEMBER to the number on the screen or you can use the QR code and it'll allow you to download a document that I've created that just is five lines and it just asks the question, how, what have I seen God do in my life? And you can use that, you can print it out, you can, you can write it in your phone, whatever that is. And you can use this to write it right an account of the victory so that it will be remembered. You can use it to write down your history with the Lord and you can keep it in front of you. So I'm just going to pray and then we can have our ministry teams come up. And Jesus, we just thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you that you really are God with us. God among us and within us. And so, Lord, this morning, I ask you that you would call to mind things that we've seen you do. Lord, that we would call to mind that song, Lord, that says, I've seen, I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains. Lord, that you would call to mind the ways in our life that you have moved mountains that you would call to mind, Lord, everything that you have done in and through my life, Jesus. And Lord, that I would write an account, Lord, that it would be something that I could look at and I could say, look at what Jesus has done. And I could pull on my history with, with you, Jesus, and I can allow that to frame where I'm headed. I can allow it to frame the present circumstances that I am in. Oh, Jesus, I'm even asking for those that are, that are stepping into a place, Lord, where, where they're questioning if you're real. That you would bring to remembrance times when they've heard your voice. That you would bring to remembrance times when they've encountered your presence in a way that they can't explain. And that you would allow those moments to begin to shift something in their heart that would bring them back and say, Jesus is real. So, Lord, we just thank you in this moment. We remember. We remember what you've done. If you're having trouble pulling up history, just remember what he did on the cross. Just remember. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus. All right. If you need prayer, if you want prayer, please come up. One of these amazing people up here will pray for you. They'd, they'd love to do that. And I'm just excited for what the Lord's going to do into next year. There's a lot of exciting things that we're going to look at next year. And so I just, I just want to say that the Lord is moving. And Jesus is building his church. And the gates of hell will not over, overcome it. All right, have a great day. Bless you guys.